And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Social Media White Noise. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that, Ted, but we've had complaints that the intro's too long. Yeah, uh, yes, I could, I could break it, break it down, break it down, step it up. We're on air now, Nick. Are we? There we yeah. go. You've recorded already. Welcome no, no, we're on to we're on episode one hundred. Five years in the making. This is Social Media White Noise, episode one hundred. He is Doctor Pod because if I say it, he doesn't have to spell it slowly. I don't have to say anything because Nick's just there saying everything for me. Really? Can you introduce me? <laughs> I'm very quiet. I'm, I'm, I'm my audio. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm okay. Carry on, Nick. Stunning stuff. And I am, since you want to introduce me, I am Nick, a.k.a. Loudmouth Man Butler. He is. I can verify and, that. And despite the Brigadier fact Butler. we are in uh, Garana... Is it Garana? I, I can't say it either. Coffee shop? It's cafe, it's it's it's, to... a, it's, a, it's a, a juice bar. A juice bar. Yeah. They, they, it's they a juice serve bar that grass. no one knows about. It's a juice bar that, that I think has been here since I've been in Brighton, which was 2000. We've certainly walked past it a number Many of times. times. And I walked in for the first time about... I think about four weeks ago when we did the last episode, uh, just after we did the yeah. last episode, and what's, found out that there's a place upstairs where you can sit. What's with that? Why are we getting so remiss in getting together on a regular basis? Well, a lot of stuff has been happening, hasn't it, in our lives? Life. Nick, Nick's become a spaceman. Five years, five years, yes, that, that, that Lynx advert. Oh, constant, don't even associate me with that rubbish. No one can no, beat a right, spaceman. No. So, yeah, you, you're moving into full-time work or full-part-time work. I've got a job. OK, it's only four days a week, but it's still a job, and I'm starting on the 2nd of April, and which means that our recording day will now move to Fridays, because that's my day I'm not on my full-time job, and I'm doing all the stuff I sort of do now, but it's being compressed into one or maybe two I'm, days. I'm guessing 100 episodes, yeah. five years of recording, mm. we never quite broke the mark of people going, wow, you must listen to the show, and therefore we've got better and greater sponsors and longer times and bigger guests, unlike your other shows. Uh, do you want to talk, what, what other shows will they be then, Nick? <laughs> we've got the noise reel, which looks great, and you're talking oh, to God, Gentleman yeah, Rhymer. This is my first, well, my first... My, talk about that, One sir. of my first semi-serious forays into... It's not exactly TV. At the moment, it's internet, but it could potentially become TV early next year. Um, so I'm working with, a, with an outfit called Latest TV, and one of the offshoots of Latest TV that are sort of being nurtured by then is an outfit called B Music, which is being run by lots of young people, a lot younger than me. Young people? Young, young people young, doing young, things that young, young people do. Young people doing music-type things. And, and I volunteered to present, and I, I do look like Elton John. <laughs> Yes. We'll put a link in the show And apparently I look like Elton John as yeah, well. Yeah, we both so look like Elton John, which is very worrying. This is, I, I feel this is only the status that basically Elton John looks a bit like everybody. <laughs> no, if you're a bit, you know, if you're getting a bit middle-aged and a bit, you're a no. bit sort of... Anyway, right, we're going right there. about now, people are screaming, we're going around the houses, we're doing our oh, usual no, thing. We're, we're doing what I hate what on podcasts. What are we talking about today, Nick? It's, it's, Two and a half minutes in. It's, it's a long list of things. We could, we could talk about the fact that... That's the kind of phrase someone uses that doesn't know what they're talking about. It's a long list of things. Um, of which, of which I'm actually... Well, look, at 100 episodes, I think we get the opportunity to look back at episode one and say, what the hell happened to the internet? <laughs> yeah, what has happened since exactly. we started episode how, how many years ago was it we did episode it's one? It's close to five years ago. I can't Based believe it's a shot Based on 24 episodes by. a year, mm. and this is the 25th episode, I'm thinking it's close enough to yeah. five years. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. There we go. Has it so changed your life, Nick, years. being on social media white noise? Has it opened doors for you? It's, it's certainly encouraged me to learn where I can park in Brighton for a lot cheaper than I used to. <laughs> and it's introduced me to various parts of Horsham. And it's, and, it's, and it's aided our discovery in the idea that there are many different coffee shops that will serve many variations of the concept of an Americano. Yeah, yeah. But has it changed your life, Nick? Has it opened doors? Uh, no. No, no, it hasn't been, not really. <laughs> mission, mission accomplished. Which is why... We are the average. I, 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 don't, I don't feel I'm really Dr Pod anymore, because I'm, I'm not as passionate about podcasting as I used to be. I mean, I still do it. We do this one. And I'm still as opinionated as ever. And I still help people with podcasting, but I'm not the... I think is I've got hijacked by TV. People just didn't go down the radio route as quickly as they wanted to. Well, the problem with podcasting is it's, it's still got this... No-one knows quite how it works. Or you why have to they be a want geek to use to... it. What? Or why they want to use it. Yeah. And, or, and yeah, let's flip this around, because this, this weekend, Saturday 30th March, is International Tabletop Day. Okay. And you and I have sort of talked about the fact that the sort of TV side of what the internet does seems to take off faster than the podcast side. Mm. Will Wheaton's tabletop for Geek and Sundry, uh, you know, started a year ago, mm. 
12 or so episodes generated a huge amount of, of buzz and industry expectation and in, uh, actually it was about 20 or so episodes um, and, and you know, it, it generated an awareness of board gaming and, and as a result International Tabletop Day on the 30th will see well over 2,000 groups in 50 countries and 6 continents taking part in playing board games for the day and okay. Because this is, this is an area of great interest. This is an area of great it? interest yes. to me. Is, yeah. board, is, is board board games and books are always of great interest to me because they're a social object. That you know, a I think I'm going to abandon the internet and go back to board games. This is it. And books. And, and the, Paper the, books. I tell you what. The one advantage of playing a board game is you don't. It doesn't matter if the internet is not available, mm. and there's very little DRM applied to opening the box. <laughs> and and the box doesn't care if you've given the copy to somebody else to play for the night. Mm. It's great. It's it's a fantastic opportunity, but. What are we talking about? We've got the IAB claiming Mozilla is undermining the openness uh, yeah, of the yeah, internet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Third-party cookies and all that. Google Universal Analytics, and I can never, I can never spell analytics without spelling uh, something rude. The internet is a surveillance state, according to Bruce Schneier, uh, to which I say also the grass is green he's and the, the sky dude. is blue. Schneier, he Schneier he's the yeah. security dude. Yeah. And goodbye, Google Reader, otherwise known as Nick Butler's erstwhile rant into what the hell were you ever possibly flipping thinking about, you absolute morons, Google. It does remind me of a song by. Simon Garfunkel that starts with bye bye instead of love substitute the word reader never mind if we start so off with the IAB having a rant at Google not Google so you've, at, you've, um, you've picked up on this and this is a, this is a yeah. question to you from Glenn Moody's article talking yeah. about the openness of the internet you know define what the openness of the internet is I thought it was interesting because basically I'm alright in thinking that um, uh, as, as I almost forget Mozilla which is of course uh, Firefox um is Are it, they the first people? Firefox, which was Netscape Navigator. <laughs> That's right, yes. Which yes. was potentially the first browser on the internet that was commercially established. So it, it was a very early player. predates IE, mm. you know, Netscape yeah. Navigator, which predates IE. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they are the first browser to, by default, have third-party cookies switched off or blocked. Um, this is the... Uh, this is, the, well... This is this weird concept of saying, oh, what we need to do is we need to give more control to people. So Because there's this concept of cookies, which has confused the hell out of the EU. Mm. And as a result, now and as a result, we now have to suffer cookie nag every time we open a website know, from a company it's a in, the in the EU. Arse, isn't it? And you just think, I can't be bothered visiting this website. It's got a cookie nag on it. Yeah. And if I've cleared my browser or reset my cache or logged into another machine, here's your cookie nag. It means nothing to anybody. Mm. It means nothing. But there we go. Um, first of all, yeah, let's get down to it. People can choose to use whichever browser they want to choose. It's not like people are locked into using Internet Explorer exclusively. Well, should we get into the story, actually, just before? Because that's a valid no. point we're making. But just, just to put it into context, the, the story here is that the IAB, which is the... What's it stand for? The International Advertising Bureau... Bureau is that right? Something like Digital Advertising Body um, is basically moaning at Mozilla for having them turned off by default, and they're claiming things like you're cutting off a whole, a whole section let's, of... Let's of, be clear. Sort of a group who benefit from the value of these cookies being enabled and from benefit from people not having control of being exposed to adverts wishes to complain that people are stopping people being exposed to adverts. Yeah. That's a crux yeah. We can move on now, then, Nick, can't we? On, on, on another level, turkeys won't vote for Thanksgiving. Nicely put. <laughs> Very nicely put. This is, this is essentially... It's, it's like... Um, it's like advertisers complaining that uh, people can skip over adverts or, av- or Google blocking Adblock from Google Play's Android Marketplace. Or criminals complaining about the police. Yeah, well, yeah, criminals complaining about... Customers, criminals complaining about victims complaining to the police. Yeah, you know, mm. it's like they left their window open. They should totally expect it. It should just be an open. It just, uh, it's absurd, abstractum absurdium. Uh, it's one of those logical fallacies we can all head out towards. I don't believe that uh, blocking of third-party cookies or first-party cookies or any sorts of cookies is obstructing a freedom of the internet compared to something like, say, your internet service provider uh, being instructed to block access to a particular website. That's blocking freedom of the internet. I cleared my cookies out a few weeks ago, and I couldn't believe how many there were, actually, and uh, like most of them I just didn't recognise. I can't imagine. I've, I'm sure I've never been to the sites. Double-click all that malarkey. Well, how did third-party cookies get onto you? Browser. How does it well, work? Because, Briefly. Well, because when you're visiting a web page, that web page is made up of multiple different links 
to that website and uh, also the other websites. Okay, it'll so what if you go to that website and that website goes to another website and that website goes to another website and each one of those is a different link to a different product that at the same time wants to say because when you visit a web page it's yeah. made up of components. Yes, so when you're loading a resource from another website is that permission for that website to go oh we have a cookie yes. while we're at it? Yes, it's yeah, the alternative. Okay, if, okay, if, yes. if the company A runs adverts from company from the advertising company B advertising company B wants to be able to say oh we know that we've provided company A's viewer mm. with an advert that was this advert from this website now that person so I'm I'm sat there and I'm visiting Reddit and I get an advert come up on Reddit and I get a third party cookie from mm. company X so company X now knows that I'm somebody who goes to Reddit so then yeah. I go to dig and I go to slash dot yeah. or I go to um, the buzz or Gorka and each one of these things says uh, you know here's an advert that's served by company B whatever and that company is now serving adverts and it goes oh we can see one of our cookies that we handed out a few hours ago to this machine is now visiting this website yeah. so we now track you know, we can tell Google so they're so, forming a picture of where you've been so, basically so they can begin to say well actually this is maybe a male in his 40s who visits websites during the afternoon so he's mm. probably either unemployed or full time employed or a mm. freelancer yeah. so we can do targeting demographics yeah uh, I mean targeting demographics is one of those interesting things where um in order to avoid having targeted demographics in Facebook, I've set my date of birth to make me the best part of 100 years old. Because right. advertisers aren't targeting people who are 120 years old. <laughs> so I don't get adverts that are targeted at a 40-something chap, a 40-something male, because there's yeah. just nobody targeting that demographic. Mm. So I don't get... I'm still getting demographics that say you're a male if I switched off a lot more stuff. But they're smart enough to go, oh, well, he's in a relationship with... Uh, a female and is married so it's probably a male because there's still those sort of gender biases based in neutral mm. decisions over uh, marketing statistics which are kind of ridiculous and long term we might actually get away from but at the end of the day I guess I don't need to have adverts for sanitary towels okay should we move Third on to the next thing because we've gone I don't know if you want to run over slightly being the 100th show we but, can, well um, it's up to the viewers what do you say viewers are we allowed to run over slightly probably we are fantastic <laughs> <laughs> What's the next thing I, on the agenda, I that mechanism mate? from Dora the Explorer. She apparently stops there, shouts at the screen until my children answer, and no matter what they say, she just goes ahead and does whatever she wants to do anyway. <laughs> okay, um, right. Google's Universal Analytics. It's okay. now open to all. Look, we're going to talk about the end of Google. But it always was, wasn't it? No, Universal Analytics is different to okay. Google's analytics of a website. Okay. If you have Google Analytics of a website, what you're actually dealing with is saying, I'm putting some special cookies and information in the website that I own. Mm. Okay. What we're dealing with in Universal Analytics is taking the analytics out to social media, to mm. uh, gaming sites. So it's about taking analytical data outside of the, the, the scope of just a website. Right. Which is, you know, Twitter could be providing analytics on one level. Again, third-party cookies, you know. If, oh, so is, this, is this a bit like that thing we were looking at in the week where like, that, that switch in Russia had got all that data? And yes. It was, yeah, similar sort of idea, but it's, is it more distributed? And it's, and it's basically distributed. So Universal Analytics is used, used as a different collection method and involves a setup of a new code snippet mm. on business sites which focuses on giving business, online businesses a better understanding of how their customers interact with their websites. It's essentially allowing third-party cookies from the user's perspective. Uh, so that you can right. then set up something that says, if I've got uh, this third-party cookie with Google, and, and it's basically taking the sort of next level down and saying, I'm not just tracking people on this website, I'm tracking people on the websites they went to. Mm. So now the EU is going to have to come up with another policy to say, not only are you going to have to get people to agree to being tracked on one Google, it's, it's just... We're somehow worried that tracking what people do online is more important than tracking what, custom, what companies do with that data online. And so we set up policies that somehow protect the users but actually penalise the users, don't do anything to penalise the companies that abuse the use of that data, and reiterate the same old mechanisms and problems we've had before. Google Universal Analytics is going to be... Right, I, I said this five years ago, that the things that will change in data is it will become more context-sensitive. Mm -hmm. So things that will change in search. We will become more context-sensitive, and we will become more geophysically sensitive. Just a minute. 
You heard it first on it's social media. Years ago. I've thought about this and I got mocked about it. And I love when I get mocked about it because when I get mocked about it, I know I'm right. It's like bitcoins. But people didn't believe him. Nobody believes me, and I'm always right about this stuff, and it just winds me up. So here's this is the, the thing. story of a man of vision. And man of a podcast that few people listen to. But there we go. In a world. Sorry. Carry on. Are you done? Yeah, I'm It's done. even funnier when you see how he sort of holds his hand up to his mouth and does the whole thing here, like it's going to make a difference. You know, it's just things not to do on a video podcast, Andy. <laughs> so, Nick's really giving me some advice about not sitting forward as much as stunts to He just looks tired. He just looks tired. That's why I look a bit like geo, AJ, AJ. Geolocation, context or meta-based searching, which is a little bit what Google Now is already doing for us. Mm. In Google Now, when I open it up, it, it sort of says, oh, look, your friends like this area and have gone to cafes in this area and have left a review mm. therefore we're going to show you that information as a priority for where you are right now so when you're searching for restaurants and you're searching for things we don't have to go searching for restaurants in an area we just we're already in that area it knows to search exactly where we are to a certain extent this might be why apple are buy, buying wi-fi slam can you just swap your mic over to your lapel Cheers. i can indeed it might be you're facing to me and wi-fi slam perfect that would be perfect just where you were going to yeah, that, there. that one, that's it. That's, that's it. Better. Yeah, perfect. Okay, carry on, Nick. So, what they're looking to do is, is improve indoor searching and indoor mm. geophysical location. Yeah, because uh, at the moment, a lot of our search functionality stops when you get to the door, and it's, yeah, it's, as I've sort of once joked, it would be ideal to have a scenario where TomTom uh, Tom or you know your app, your navigation tools actually took you up and down the aisles of the supermarket when you went in. Mm. So not only did it plan what you're what you're shopping for, but also the most effective way you could move through the aisles. Oh, that good grief alive! So universal analytics is the step towards making that functionality. Uh, easier to aggregate from a research point of view, mm. but also rather cunningly allows Google to stretch its reach of information into other people's data to collate it and aggregate it and make it available. Which leads us nicely into the article by Bruce Schneier. Mr. Schneier. Uh, which effectively, uh, it's a bit like you know, the grass is green, the sky is blue, and the internet is watching you. Yeah, it's it's the surveillance state. It's 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 the thing that everybody's like. The sky is falling because everybody's watching what we're doing. Is that as what I he said? said? And, and I, well, no, he's not saying the sky is falling, but he's, he's he does sort of mention as as the way in which um, you know some Chinese military hackers who are implicated in broad set of network attacks. He's he breaks down the idea that. And again, he, he sort of highlights some of the things I keep pointing out, which is it's not you affecting your privacy, it's how your friends affect your privacy. When they tag you in a Facebook app, when they tweet about you at an event. Yeah, when it's they like break third, down third-party privacy breaching. Third-party privacy breaching that cookies yeah. will never be able to block as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when, I, when I go into London and somebody tweets, oh, Nick's here fixing this for me, it's going to be rocketing fast, and I go, yeah, I wasn't planning to tell anybody I was in London. Right. I had deliberately not tweeted the fact that I wasn't at my desk for the day. And you've just said he's not at his desk. Right. Which means that I can guess, and within half an hour, there's an email popped up, said, oh, as you're in London, would you mind popping in? It's like, yeah. oh, well, actually, I did. So, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Has that actually ever happened? That has happened. That happens, that happens a few times, because people watch what I do and watch around what I do, and because mm. I teach people how to be smart and using the tools. Uh, the downside is that smart asses with me, and I get, you know, so I have to be even smarter about how I manage my information about where I am. To a certain extent, this is why my Facebook won't let you tag me or write on my wall or add me information about me. And I'm quite anti being added to groups and applications that I haven't approved of. Mm. Um, because each one of these things is how somebody else breaks it down. The internet is a surveillance state that we have all voluntarily signed up to because we gain more from it individually uh, as a community then we lose in removing that aspect of our privacy. Mm -hmm. So, is it really a problem? No, until governments or corporations abuse that information. So the corporation that decides we're offering you health insurance. Well, first of all, the corporations that decide they're offering you hotel, they're offering you holidays abroad, mm. but they decide that since you're using a Mac, you can pay ten percent more. Oh, is Which there has happened. That yeah. has happened. Right. There have been occasions where people visit a, webs a website for prices for a holiday, yeah. and when visiting it from a Mac, the prices were 10 to 20% greater than when they visited from a Windows machine. I've also heard about uh, time so, differences when they go to certain airlines, cheap airlines. 
Uh, yeah. They'll go uh, see a price, come back half an hour later, and it's different. Or... Oh, well, that's a, that, to a certain extent, that's a time. That's not that's not the individual. That's just the time thing. That's a constraint right. of what is offered by the demand in the market. Right. But when it is a constraint that says, I'm applying for health insurance, mm. private health insurance, which I, it's an abysmal idea. And Sorry, just, I, I got it wrong. But, it wasn't that, Nick. It was they cleared the cookies, went again, and it was a different price. Right. Again. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, once the, and that's exactly the point. So if you've maybe gone for health insurance and the cookies look at all the fact that maybe you have no Runkeeper or Foursquare or activity type websites you visit, yeah. they might assume that you are therefore not a healthy individual mm. and so they'll score you higher than somebody who might have Runkeeper and Fitbit and all this stuff registered in their cookies right. and then they go, oh look, you're somebody who visits all these websites, we're going to give you a better price. Because you're fitter. Okay. Because they're going to make a decision that you are... Based on the parameters based gained, on the parameters from, gained from, from cookie trails. Now, okay. you know, and, and so the flip side of that is how other people, you know, if you let somebody use your machine mm. for an hour, that can change the demographic of who you are. Amazon have only just picked up on this when recommended items at Christmas would consistently be, oh, you've bought this, therefore you might want this. And it's like, well, actually, I'm not interested in that. I bought this as a gift, mm. so what you're recommending to me is not something I would be interested in, mm. it's a gift to somebody else. Mm. And so that, you know, when you're shopping on Amazon now, you shop, is this a gift? And Amazon knows to not bother treating it as something that's in your records. And so it moderates yeah, it. Yeah. So what if, what if, you know, they start... Utilising your recommended products from Amazon as a function for how to decide what insurance you get because they look at the sorts of things you buy and therefore what neighbourhood you live in. And, you know, do this know what I'm is how do? it's going to be used. Do you know what I'm going to do? It's time to give up the internet. No, no, do you know what I'm going to do? Because this is the 100th show and I thought, you know, do something different. I'm going to go to the loop in the middle of the show. Fantastic. So he's basically now I know you putting do, but down... He's now basically putting down the microphone, walking around behind me, and yes, that is the noises. And I'm not going to slip the microphone underneath the doorstep there. But whilst <laughs> whilst he's away, I'm not allowed to say anything banworthy or unimportant. So let's talk about where we are in Garana Bar on Sydney Street in Horsham, uh, a juice bar serving a fantastic coffee that's actually served in proper-sized mugs. And I have to give them full marks for a decent white mug of coffee, of which. Um, I'm not too sure on the particular blend because they made it with a one scoop rather than two scoop Americano there so it's a little bit less on the strong side for me but I do suggest that later on we're going to go and get ourselves some wheatgrass juice and uh, we'll take a picture of Andy's face as he has to consume it and, um, it's really funny to hear you still doing the podcast while I'm in the loop it works so much better when you don't have the microphone attached as well I feel <laughs> Right, really and he's really my friend now. And we can now um, get back to my rant. Hey, look, before we get on to my rant, let's talk mm. about sponsors. We have none, but thank you for those of you who've donated money in the past. I'm back. As ever, visit socialmediawhitenoise.com, click the donate button, put some money in there. You might convince us to try and hit episode 200. Yep. Or, as I like to call it, the average length of 200. The average length of 200. Okay, fine, whatever. <sighs> yeah, whatever that means. A team of scientists onto that. Google um, Reader is gone. Yeah, um... There's, now, I read an article about this uh, quite recently. Who was it? Mr. Weiner, I think it was. Of course, the, the guy who invented RSS. The man of RSS himself. The man of RSS, Mr. RSS. And he was... was it he? Well, someone was saying that they're really cross with Google because when Google Reader came along, all the other ones died away because Google Reader yep. became the... And then the prominent. Google, Google said, eh, well, I'll just get rid of that now. And they're now retiring. a big hole. They're retiring it because... Uh, not that many people are using it compared to using other things. I, I think this is where we have a fallacy of statistics that exists in the heads of marketing and decision makers where they, they fail to appreciate that they don't have less users, they have more influencers. That the nature of how influential, and this is something that you know, clout and cred and everything else are supposed to be a big deal about, mm. but if the amount of people who are using... Google Reader is is necessarily not as high as the amount of people using other social networks, but the amount of people using Google Reader are generally the ones who are then sharing information that goes across all those networks. If you remove the tool that has all those people who consider themselves, who are considered influential or who find information and share it with others, mm. you have effectively removed the catalyst of change in a large community by removing the tools for those people who affect change to do so with the tools that you've provided. You've removed their trust in your product, which means when in the same week you attempt to release a thing called Google Keep, 
which is a sort of pseudo Evernote stroke task list manager. Mm-hmm. You, you inspire nobody with confidence to trust you with their data. I, I sort of joked that, well, Google Search will be the next thing to go because nobody's using that compared to using Twitter. Well, I'm worried about, fi- about FeedBurner. Well, FeedBurner's going as well. Is it definitely FeedBurner's going? FeedBurner's going as well. When? It's one of the retired Have products. Have they said it's going to go? Yes, it's in the retired list. When? It's in the retired list, so it's like in the April. It's, this is all sort of heading out in April. You're joking me. Well, let me relook this up. FeedBurner retired. Is you telling me FeedBurner's going away? I'm going to get to my podcasting clients fast. Transferring FeedBurner accounts to Google's had to check out. Oh, I may actually be wrong on this one. FeedBurner. I had read that it was being retired as well, the analysis of it. Well, there have been rumours Google it's retired going to go. AdSense for fees on October the 2nd, 2012, and it shut down December the 3rd or May 26th. Yeah. They shut down the API on FeedBurner. Shut down the API on FeedBurner as but well. FeedBurner is still there as yeah. a service, yeah. Yeah. You're right, don't trust it. Don't trust the fact yeah. FeedBurner will go. And if FeedBurner goes, what to use? I mean, I'm left with Google Reader going, so I, what have I tried? I've tried um, Feedly. Mm. Uh, I tried that. I didn't like it very much. I, you know, it felt, like, it felt like a cross between TK Maxx and Wilco's. Everything was everywhere. Nothing was what I needed. And I tried to find information. And I would, oh, so I also went and had a look at Newsblur. Um, which which certainly lives up to its name as as there was more user interface space. Do you do you think uh, the demise of Google Reader is going to affect the future of RSS? No, I think it will affect the future of a lot of people who had the ability to keep up with dates and information and mm. content and data without an efficient newsreader ecosystem in place, which will inevitably return because uh, TT RSS, truly tiny RSS reader, which you have to self-install, which has uh, a good mechanism for catching up with feeds. Is that an app or something else? It's an app you have to install on your own Linux box. Oh, okay. Um, I've tried Feedly, didn't get on with it. I've tried the... I've I've gone to sign up to the old reader, which is effectively the old Google reader. Right. Uh, However, that's now... I'm at 20,000 in the queue and still waiting for my imports to go through. Right. I tried Newsblur, I didn't get on with it. I've tried Currents, but that's an app on my Android. Mm. Uh, It works well, but... The problem is, I want my RSS feeds just in the news order arrival. I don't want them segregated by, oh, these are all the RSS feeds for... This, and you just want all, yeah. and don't don't filter it any more than just give me the most recent RSS feeds at the top mm-hmm. for every news article that comes in, mm. not you know not filtered or sorted by feed, but just interwoven so that I get them in the physical data where they've arrived. Um, I mean, a simple RSS feeder is very much like an like an email box, isn't it? I and mean, you control which ones you subscribe to. Yeah, uh, you, know, you, you know, you pick up an RSS reader on, on Mozilla Thunderbird because yeah. Mozilla Thunderbird's been retired, so that's a product that's I going. Really, I didn't realise yeah. that. I didn't know that. I used to use that a lot on one so, of So, so do I trust Google Mail? Not really. I have to though because it's kind of the de facto place I can successfully Google apps your domain. Google apps your domain. I can mm. successfully manage spam and virus blocking and so forth. It's worrying, isn't it? It's a worrying thing. So, though. what if you know what? What? If, so we go all the way back around to the Google Universal Analytics, mm. and we have to wonder if they're not going to talk about some new product like Google Currents to be integrated with Google Now. Uh, as a mechanism it's what is Google Currents well Google Currents is an Android app that is basically a newsreader like Flipboard um, or like Pulse and you know it's another RSS aggregating content reader that in a very pretty way displays a whole bunch of information to you from various feeds you've described to so these things Google Reader going away doesn't mean the end of RSS Mm. it means that uh, we can't trust Google to rely on providing services to a narrow band of professional users mm. uh, who might actually be influential in pushing people towards more Google products. Mm. Google aren't interested in that. They, they are genuinely not interested in anything else than the largest possible group paying attention. This is a bad thing. But this is all the way back to what happens when companies use the data and abuse it. I mean, with, with this mechanism, they said there was only 500,000 or so people using it. It was a very small number. They weren't interested. Really? Is that correct? You know, so therefore they weren't... What, Google Reader? Google Reader. There weren't enough people How using... There were not enough people using this Google Reader. It's actually listed in the article there, so I'll, I'll bring that back up. Is that, do you reckon that's an accurate figure? Uh, well, they must know, well, they must, they must they know what the yeah. accurate, accurate figure is. Uh, but in the meantime, we're left with no Google Reader as a product. 
Uh, and I remember when Google Reader removed sharing, I remember one of the mechanisms that I used in order to keep remember, track yeah, of stories about that. Yeah, was yeah. that as I saw a story, I would then be able to write up an article about it, post the article out as a shared item. That shared item would then appear in my blog. And so I would have the ability to sort of self-create uh, annotating commentary around articles that mm. could then be posted. This seemed to be exactly what people wanted. And they removed that feature and said, oh, now you can hit plus one and share it in Google+. Well, I can share things in Google+. I mean, I'm making a lot more use of Google+, today than I was last year. Because mm -hmm. the community side of it works really well. But still, when something is shared, um, when something's shared inside Google+, I can't go back and find it as easy as I could in a reader or in Facebook. In fact, finding things in Google+, is kind of like, you know, Google+, is really Google now for then. <laughs> it's only just just close enough to what I want. When I want to go look for stuff, I've you know, its user interface is confusing. Okay, um, we're at thirty minutes. Um, I feel a bit like Christopher Columbus about to venture into territory that we've never ventured into before. Um, should, we, should we just carry on for the time? So we'll we carry on because I can go into social media white noise. I'll go into the admin panel. We'll actually have a look at the stories that we first talked about. Just before we in the first episode, I was going to say, yeah. What what what? Well, before we do that, what was if there was one defining moment for you? in the series, what, what, what was it? Your favourite moment, can you remember? I've, no. got one, I've got one in mind. No. It, was, it was the Charles Chain Gang. Uh, the Charles Chain Gang, oh yes, the Charles Chain Gang. <laughs> that was in Esquires as they came walking past us in the it forum. It was a, quite an early show, wasn't it? Like and four or five or six, yes, like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so we were just minding our own business, so doing the show, and out the window, Nick spotted a load of little toddlers kids. all joined together with a strange contraption, like a long stick with sort of bindings on it. <laughs> So this is uh, the local nursery school who evidently were taking the kids out to one of the playgrounds and needing to ensure that the children do not just go wandering off on their lonesome. Um, they, you know, they, the kids have to hold on to a sort of paddleboard with a handle on it, but at the same time, the paddleboard is linked to the child uh, with clips, so the child can't also go running off. And then you um, mentioned, wouldn't it be awful, or was it funny, if one of them <laughs> fell over, and then on cue, just as you said it, one of them fell over. <laughs> you take the whole lot with them? Yeah, because when, when one falls over, it takes them all down. So <laughs> one falls, we all fall. You know, yeah. we walk together, or we standing alone. Um, right, so I've, I've yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say one of the more interesting things we did was going up and around the Brighton Eye, mm. or the Brighton Millennium Wheel, yeah, whatever I, it's called. I find it slightly <laughs> underwhelming, actually, myself. It's, 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 yeah, it's one of those things where you go, ah, so this is what we're doing then. <laughs> <laughs> it's very expensive, that's just eight quid, wasn't it? For... Yeah, but paid for by the sponsors, so, you know, well, thank hey, you, sponsors. Yeah, 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 but for most people, we don't have um, sponsors. That show that you're talking about, the one with the child chain gang, was actually episode two. Was it really? Yeah, starting to Twitter. <laughs> um, in episode one of What is Social Media, uh, where we sat at Comedia, uh, the difference the between... Yes, think, yeah. or Comedia. That's uh, still where. Crumbs, we were very social media marketing oriented remember, then. I remember, we got it wrong, because I, I, I started to interview you, didn't I? Yes. I got my Zoom out, and I was starting to... And you said, this isn't going to be an interview show, it should just be us chatting. And the difference did, between SEO and social media. Talked about products and services without selling, contribution, authenticity. There's no real links on our show at this point. There's the five rules of social media. Uh, and then by episode two, we've gone over to Horsham... Um, and Andy says, to this day, I still don't know what was going through my head when I hit record button. The episode doesn't have a beginning. It just sort of fades into an already happening conversation. <laughs> That's all the shows now, isn't it? Which is pretty much all we do. <laughs> uh, we have links to dream hosts. Uh, refactoring your wetware from Andy Hunt. Oh, yes. Uh, I talk about Amplified Network. The Twictionary. Oh, here we go. Social Media Dictionary. Twictionary. Let's see if it still exists. It's up on PB Wiki. Uh, it's a wiki. It's likely to exist. Um, yes, it's still there, and its last updated was um, Crumbs. Actually, I can't find it on here, but yeah, 2012. Somebody left a comment. Mm. Um, somebody still finding it a useful thing, or oh, it could just be a spam comment. You never know. We've so, had some great comments, haven't we? Um, we've we've had the occasion was like, please make sure that things open in a new window. That was a classic because we never do. Everything. Well, you don't, Nick. I mean, you put your links on. I put oh, my links on. You can have. Of course, always make sure my links open in a fresh window. Sony's Little Big Planet game and two-legged penises. <laughs> Is that a title of a show? That's what we, we talked about. The old blog argument, should businesses allow bad comments? That wasn't because I'd watched that YouTube video, was it, of, of a UFO, and it did look, does like a flying woolly nutsack. 
Uh, and then we're into the Wikipedia kerfuffle, and that was the first three episodes that okay. we did. Right. Uh, which was, uh, funny enough, we were back at Comedia for that one. So we did very quickly. Oh, the internet advert database idea that does actually sort of exist now. Blocking of Wikipedia due to an offensive photo. Questionable usefulness of Facebook groups. Um, Andy gets an iPhone. And Gosh. managing information. Oh, and Spinvox. All the way back then, Spinvox. That doesn't exist anymore, does it? Spinvox, Spinvox? yeah, Spinvox. Spinvox took a, uh, took a dive at the point at which people were uh, being convinced that the problem with Spinvox was it wasn't fully automated and sometimes people were listening to your messages and transcribing them. Tune in next week for more memories of now and then. I'm telling you, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. No, it's not, is it? And, um, you know, I think we had uh, one in the Gatwick, which was big police guys with guns. Oh, yes, because there were big police guys with guns, weren't there? It's Gatwick. Is that one of the ones where we tried to get some people to join us and it just didn't happen? Yeah, nobody ever joined us, just like today, where but we have this huge crowd of people. We didn't try and make people join us. Well, you we? know, we try and make your sister. This is, or, this is, in, or invite people. We didn't invite anyone to join us. This is the. Um, we're, we're, we're this, effectively, we're the spinal tap of podcasting. <laughs> you know, really, that's just really it. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the it's the podcast where you can sort of go. Oh, you have have Leo and his and his sort of you know he's got his, his place and his tricaster and everything else set up and he's got an audience turns up and you have us two who just hang out in cafes and talk about stuff for half an hour. <laughs> 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 Using a wax cylinder to record yeah, and, it. And, and, you know, it's, it's all right, because we have podcasts that go up to 11. In fact, we've got up to 100, so we're not doing too bad. Well, we're at 36 minutes now, <laughs> and um, if the recording well, service is flat, then we're going to fall off the edge very soon. We are we are the spinal tap of podcasts. You weren't really impressed with that comment, were you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm quite impressed. I'm quite impressed with most things you're saying, Nick. Do you want to talk about what we're going to talk about, then? Was there anything else we wanted to cover? Or should we just, I, think, I think we're wrapped should, up. Should we just on banter for the rest of the show? On episode 100. <laughs> we're, we're sort of, well, I, I want to, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and get a couple of hot chocolates so you yeah, get a hot chocolate. can banter over the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk now. God, what am I going to say? Nothing that gets us banned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say nothing while Nick gets, and gets the hot chocolates. <sighs> what else? I'm going to look out the window. It's going out the window. This is such a strange podcast. So I'm looking out the window, uh, at the but we're looking at the back, and there's just kind of lots of very small gardens, which is quite representative of Brighton, really. Lots of very small, square, sort of like, you know, 15-foot square plots. Uh, quite, actually, bizarrely, somebody's got a generator in one of their gardens, a big sort of um, substation thing. Hmm, very odd. So let's tell you a bit about this place then while we're here. It's the, um, let's get the right. It's the Grana Bar, the Grana Company Limited. And it's in um, Sydney Street in Brighton. And it's been here for ages, but I, it's the first time I've walked into it. And they do all sorts of healthy um, stuff. It's based around this product from the rainforest called it's spelled G-U-A-R-A-N-A with a little funny little line over the last day and it's kind of a stimulant and it's sort of it's not like caffeine it doesn't sort of give you a big push it's more of a sort of kind of an all day type boost so they serve coffee with this stuff in so you get an initial boost from the caffeine and the the Grana stuff just like keeps you going for a while afterwards and uh, I'm running out of things to say here very strange that I'm running out of things to say I think it's because I'm so used to Nick talking can you hear him? he's got such a loud voice ordering the chocolate yeah I'm just looking at the website they've got all sorts of funky stuff here I was downstairs when I walked in and there was um, this Gurana stuff that had these big sort of blobs of it and I was thinking if you ate that, I mean it's about the size of a the big fat sausage, I think if you ate that thing you'd probably be buzzing for several days. But, um, quite an interesting place. And we're upstairs. From the Amazon rainforest I think. Yeah, so um, 
let's have a look at what I was going to talk about later, see if I can preempt Nick. Uh, talked about Google Reader, and then there's complete blank. Um, so I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I think the show's going to go on for at least an hour. So you might want to just fast forward till Nick gets back. Excellent. You paused the show, didn't you? No, I didn't pause it, but I, I just was talking a bit about this company. Which means and a lot to me when you're looking at a screen and I can't see what it is. The, the, where we are. Garana. Garana. Yeah. It was a bit boring, us, so people might just want to fast forward a bit. I've ordered us some hot chocolates and some wheatgrass. You're Not joking, in the you're same joking. thing. You're joking, yeah, wheatgrass, the wheatgrass, green stuff. Yes. Have you ever had wheatgrass? <laughs> yes. You have. Have you? Yes. <laughs> Done. It's not nearly going to be as interesting as a face. This is such a weird show. Come <sighs> we'll on, this is something different. But have we actually got anything else to talk about? We haven't got anything specific to talk about, other than the fact that in okay, 100 look. shows, we have moved from being a show about social media and marketing yeah. to a show that also focused a lot on um, the rights of the internet and privacy of the internet mm-hmm. and the political use of uh, information for freedom and information for policy creation. And in 100 shows, we've changed from worrying about helping people with how to use social media marketing, which five years ago, there were fewer uh, shysters on the market. So, you know, we were uh, essentially a voice of uh, hopefully opportunity information. Mm. And I just felt in, in close to 100 shows that our own conversational turns were sort of much more focused on things like Bitcoin. Mm. in the marketplace. It came um, a bit more political, didn't it? It was sort of focused on got woven more into the fabric politics. of society. We went to Hillingdon Council and mm. uh, spoke to Charlotte... Not Charlotte, Stamper. Charlotte Stamper. Stamper, Stamper yeah. Um, about the concept of uh, how social media is being used by councils. Mm. And certainly we're seeing a lot more councils... Uh, in fact, there's a survey out from West Sussex County Council at the moment looking as to how people are making use of social media and asking for their opinions and just share their experiences mm. as to what they would like to see um, happening more often um, from uh, you know, people interacting with, with councils. Because as I always say, the, the, the thing about social media is it should be used more as a tool for listening than a tool for broadcasting. Um, mm. And which is weird because the whole concept of making use for data in a surveillance state is you use the internet as a tool for listening mm-hmm. and then drawing your own conclusions. The trouble we get into is when people use the information, draw their data, and make the wrong conclusions and act on those wrong conclusions. That's almost as bad as um, third party privacy bleed. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Because it, it, well, uh, there's nothing worse than having a wrong assumption made of you based on the data or goofy data. It's it's the we you know we we see the bad stories occur when you know the police break into somebody's property because they think that somebody's running a uh, marijuana farm mm. and discover they actually are farming bitcoins mm. and you know the, the heat that was being produced by all the graphics card mm. from the helicopter that was overhead mm. made a, you know it looked like it was a farm that mm. was you know for for marijuana and actually it just turned out it was a farm for farming bitcoins mm. and Bitcoin's a topic that we've talked about for a couple of years now, and it's had that sort of edgy fringe level of interest. Digital currency is something that I think uh, it's going to play a strong feature in how corporations decide to change their interaction with governments. Because with a strong pressure on not losing tax generated locally for each country, corporation tax at each country, and global global corporations benefit from saying, we'll take money from this country and we'll, we'll say that it cost us this over in this country so we can move the money out, mm. and that's the cost, that was the cost of doing business in this country, so that's less tax that we have to pay, but now we take the money over into this country, and although we're buying this amount of product at this rate, we can then also say that this, com- this company doesn't have that much profit going on as well, mm. because it has to spend this money over here. Yeah, the effective sort of legal global money laundering of ensuring that money goes back to shareholders far far quite rightly the purpose of being a shareholder is to get the maximum investment from a company but bitcoin comes along to a certain extent it stabilizes some of that but as it grows in legitimacy it mm. will force the hands of governments to say well how do we regulate that 
And that's going and to regulate. Require, they will. They will and, try. And by attempting to regulate, because there's no central authority, mm. they can't. The, the most they might do is say, oh, "We'll block the, we'll force internet service providers to block ports for mm. bitcoins." But there's no such thing because no. it doesn't work that way. No. Um, I, I put out the question as to what will happen in the internet when we move to IPv6, and we've talked about the next generation internet. IPv6 world where mm. there are millions of addresses per square meter that will be available. Mm. That even, uh, one of the examples that was given was if you had assigned an IP address for every second since the start of known history, mm. you would you would still, still you know still be only to one percent yeah. of all the IP addresses. Well, like the number of atoms in the Earth or something? Is it, it's is, a uh, phenomenally huge because number. Every atom can have its own so, IP address. So once you have that and you have a <laughs> You have an IP system that doesn't... Uh, IPv4 has, by its nature, because of the, the nature of how many addresses there are, it has this function which says there are private addresses, which are used internally, and public addresses, which are used externally. Mm. Public addresses can route over networks. They can arrive at one router that goes, oh, this isn't, a, this isn't an address from my network, I'll hand it on. Mm. And then they build a tree of those, how they're being handed on, to work out how to get to their destination. Mm. What happens in IPv6 to make that work is all those really big numbers are rooting around the internet in the way in which they are and then arriving at a space how do you block by IP address when there are millions of IP addresses mm. and as a result why bother having a server architecture at all when you can distribute the server mm. through the mesh architecture it's a product called mesh DNS mm. yeah. distribute domain name services you can't block by domain name because you can't block at the router based on looking up a name because the lookup for the name is going on before it gets to the router. So then this thing you say, oh, you block by destination. But what if the destination is millions of other web addresses mm. that are constantly changing? You could pick one group of change, which you could block one set of IP addresses and that service moves to a different IP address and an incoming service that shouldn't be being blocked is now on that IP address. Mm. And to a certain extent, this already happened when they were blocking bits of the Pirate Bay, mm. and they also happened to block some other automotive websites who were blocked in that restriction. And that, that sort of came up as a, yeah, actually, there's a the side effect of this policy. What's kind of... Um, I mean, what, what's the IPv6 usage at the moment? Any idea? Are there any figures? Well, uh, How much of the traffic is IPv6? Oh, that's, that's a better question. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know, but knowing that Facebook and YouTube and Google and a lot of ISPs are already mm. on IPv6, and that you can buy routers already. on IPv6, right. Windows 7, Windows 8, mm. Mac OS X, mm. Mac OS X 10.4 and above, as well as Linux, all support IPv6. Mm. There's nothing to stop us making a better move to IPv6, and I suspect what will happen is as we get a greater level of attempt to control the internet from a corporate or a government point of view to regulate, IPv6 will step into that gap and people mm. will move into it. Mm. And when people move into using IPv6, the application designers, the developers, the people who consider the architecture from an IPv4 view of the world will have a will have to either adapt what they're doing or face the fact that their jobs will become irrelevant. They will be the, the people who've supported IPv4 architectures mm. and who've managed servers and systems in that environment, if they don't change their policies, they will become as the IBM mainframe people were when the PCs moved into their world. They will become slowly put to one side because it'll be less relevant to have IPv4. But IPv4 will last the next 40 years because people will still run websites that they just don't need to move. Do you think the combination of digital currencies and IPv6 will change the society as we know it? Do you think we'll look back in history and go, well, that was like, a, that was like the Industrial Revolution or something like that? I think we are, uh, we're either at the very start of a next Industrial Revolution or the potential Dark Ages. So it's really? one of those two. We've got a... We've got a cyclical moment. We've got a cyclical moment in history where we have had quite clearly a renaissance in information and data and people mm. understanding, mm. and that's that renaissance is always followed by a period of dark ages where there is a sort of a sort of collapse in the organisational capabilities of mankind. Well, a bit like a butterfly in its chrysalis. Like and, and it's just a change. Breaking down its body and then re-emerging something different. There's always something comes along that just, you know, we either have a, a global plague that completely decimates the ability for people to run a structured society. Mm. Um, you have a global war, uh, which, you know, on the one side, it energises a level of technological growth, mm. but it also uh, disrupts a level of sort of corporate and government oversight. Excuse me. 
<coughs> Bless you. Excuse me, here come the sneezes. Chocolate is over here. <coughs> it's, it's making wonderful waveforms on my recording. And as a result, we're, we're going to see where we get into now. What will we change? We have IPv6 that's out there. Mm. We have things like the Cypriot government who said, and they were going to, and they've now backed away from it, they were going to take 10% of everybody's savings. I know, I couldn't believe it. I said to Sarah, there's going to be a revolution. Somebody you said to me... You save, then you have to pay 10% to save. It's ridiculous. Somebody, somebody said to me, uh, can you explain why it's not illegal to take money out of somebody's bank? And I said, because the money never belongs to you. The money has always belonged to the government. The money and currency always belongs to a government mm. that issues it because it issues it on the promise or backed against a reserve. But it's the government's promise to pay, it's not the bank's promise to pay, and it's not your employer's promise to pay. It is the government's promise to add a value to the work that you've done. Therefore, if they want to turn around and say, we're taking 10% of it back, they can. There's nothing to stop them doing that. It's physically their money that you've been allocated, but which you don't own. Now, along comes Bitcoin. Governments don't own it. In fact, the coin, Bitcoin that's in your physical wallet is the one that you own. How would they then be able to go in and remove that money from a savings account without forcibly issuing a legal remit to the individual that says you have to pay us this many Bitcoins and you also then have to declare? How would you manage that? How would you change the way in which you have a society set up when there's no way that between transactions you could track sales? Sales information. Can you put, sorry, can you put the mic this side of you? Just put it on the other lapel. Yeah, there we go. So, That's it, yeah. I like to think that the next 50 shows, mm. the next 50 shows, maybe more, maybe less, will see us talking about uh, certainly bitcoins and virtual currency, mm. certain data and mm. how it's changing. Yeah, social media white noise will become less about social media and more about the noise. But you already have another noise show, so, you know, maybe another noise. <laughs> it's not a regular thing. That one thing was just a one-off. The noise and, reel, yeah. And the noise reel. And um, you have, you know, we have to say, what do we want to talk about in the next hundred shows? Do you still want to go slightly more political? Because we were talking yes. about getting a bit more political. I think, I think we need to be focused. Uh, first of all, I think there's a complete dearth. There's, there's, there's a deluge in marketing and technical podcasts out there till cows come home. Mm. But there's an absolute dearth in politics and economics. And you and I know nothing of those two enough mm. that it justifies talking about it because somebody should probably be paying attention to it. And when I go out there and I look at the podcasts that are out there to cover this topic, they are few and far between. Mm. And that makes me think that, well, somebody should be drawing attention to this stuff every now and then. It's certainly highlighted in my feeds. Yeah. Uh, my, my feeds that I have through Google Reader... <sighs> Oh, it's got a reminiscing look there. Um, the things I have in Google Reader are such that I I see more stories coming in on this basis, and I think that the next, certainly the next five years of online life are going to be a focus on how we interact with information in terms of how it relates to us, not in how it relates to corporations. The ability of Google Takeout to take your data away, mm. the ability in Facebook to have more control over your privacy, uh, the acknowledgement that it's other people who screw with your privacy, and the acknowledgement that you have a right to uh, a fair and balanced uh, presentation of a quote or an article not based upon your history or your lifestyle. Mm. Anyway, as I say that, we have some hot chocolates arriving, and we have some wheatgrass arriving. We're at 53 minutes. Do you want to yep. do you try and go for the full hour? We'll go for the full hour. In fact, we're going to do it whilst there's... Uh, <laughs> they're like shorts. They're being delivered like shorts. Well, you know, these, these single outs. Bombs. This is great. Fantastic. Thank you. And with water to flush them down. This is a... This is the present... Oh, do you think we should have the green things the before the chocolate? I think we should or have after. the green things before the chocolate, certainly. <laughs> All right. the same. So, should I just mix it with the chocolate? OK. I'm going first. OK. Ready? We'll do it together, Nick. It's the smell of this cocoa. Is, this is the green thing. Ready? One, two, two three. three. <sighs> oh, cool. There's an incredible sweetness that comes afterwards. It, I tell you what it reminds me of. It reminds oh. me of exactly what it's like when you fall face first into freshly cut grass and then are forced to swallow it because somebody's driving your head into it. Yeah, yeah. That's um, pretty fair assessment. That's, yes. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to dash straight away for the yeah, strawberry. Yeah, the strawberry. Follow, follow up. 
Mm. Mm. Oh, God, never has a strawberry tasted any better. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Thank you. <laughs> it's the burst of sweetness you get afterwards, though. How does it not just taste like cut grass? Seriously. But it does taste like cut grass. It just tastes like cut grass. You just, you know, I'm basically eating grass. Mm. Yes. Mm. I'm sure it's really, really healthy for me, but, you know, it's supposed to be healthy for cows, and they don't exactly come to a great end. <laughs> and they eat it all the time. Twice, Humans in fact. can eat grass. Really? Yeah. Right. It's I don't believe you. Yeah. You can eat grass. Oh, the hot chocolate is better, though. That's better. <sighs> there we go. Nick, how should we use this last six, five minutes? Look, we have had our time to waffle away about uh, where we think the programme will change. Mm -hmm. We've taken time to talk about uh, where we are and what we're doing. And there is, as ever, the space for people to leave comments. And that's an opportunity for people to actually leave a comment and say what they think should be. Yeah, should, we, should we say, 100's great, we can stop now, we don't have to go any further. Or actually, yeah, take it in a new direction. Or just keep doing what you're doing because we don't like change and we fear change. Mm. I think that's the... You know, I think we should take on board all those comments, totally ignore them and do our own thing, just like Google did. Just like that lady on your children's programme. Uh, go on. What? Oh, Dora the Explorer. Yeah, Dora the Explorer. <laughs> that's a, mm. Yes, that was a whole experience. It's the way she shouts at everybody all the time. OK. Oh, that is good. Right. I'm not quite sure how this show's going to go. It's got a very boring bit in the middle where I'm on my own for a few minutes. And uh, we've, we have waffled a Andy. bit. We, we have, have waffled. waffled a it's a one-hour show. Yeah, ooh. There's a biscuity thing here. And if you had remembered to press record, it would certainly be interesting. <laughs> that's my joke, Nick. So, Hello. um... So you have been... I have been, and probably still will be, Andy White, Acker Doctor Pod. And I am Nick Butler, a.k.a. Loudmouth Man at loudmouthman.com. And this has been Social Media White Noise. Visit socialmediawhitenoise.com. Please feel free to click on the donate button and send us your pennies to pay for us to swill um, chopped up grass and uh, a really pleasant uh, hot chocolate and coffee. And yep. thank you for your time and thank you for listening for the best part of however many shows you've been here for. Yeah, thank you. See you next time. I'm not going to press stop. I'm going to go to an hour. He's going to go to a full mm. hour. Yeah. You can just listen to us chat for a few minutes. In fact, often some of the most interesting things are said after the show. So, you can listen this no, time. No, just made the amount of crumbs that have just fallen... Did you actually eat that or basically turn into crumbs? Well, and, I'm just spitting crumbs all over your screen though, so... My fault. <laughs> uh, is that from your mouth? Yeah, it's from my mouth. That's saliva, that is. <laughs> Oh, yeah. God. And I'm the one with stomach bugs, so you really he's, want to be too much now. my screen. Just wiping that off. Okay. Um. <laughs> There's 57 a minutes, 15 seconds. Mm. There we go. That's <sighs> so what you're doing after, mate. You got a busy day? Uh, actually, I'm rather sad I'm heading over to Dirty Harry's to go and grab myself a couple more uh, jumpers. Mm. And I'll probably head down to Dave's Comics and uh, to see what they're doing for Tabletop Day. Yeah. Um, then I might take a bimble over to uh, Mad Hatter's and buy myself a bowler hat. But, yeah, not busy. It looks really good in bowler hat. It really suits the shape of your head, I think, Nick. As I was surprised. You look like a thug, actually. I mean, exactly. Like everybody a very said, smart thug. Everybody said I looked really sinister. And but it's a, cool. It's, it's cool sinister. There was a, there's, a, there's a chap who's a cartoonist, and, and he was looking for some inspiration for what to draw for the day, saw a picture of me in a bowler hat, and decided to draw up the Riddler for the day. <laughs> and the picture of the Riddler that he has is, yeah. is, looks exactly like me now. He had a big question mark on it. On the I, was, I was quite pleased. So, yes, I'm going to go and get myself a bowler. Mm. Mad Hatters or Jackson Hats from Village Hats. See yourself? I might come with you, I might check that out. Um, what am I doing? I'm um, certainly searching for jumpers because it's bloody cold. Got the latest TV meeting tonight, uh, which is always interesting. Um, what else have I got? I'm going, not masses going on this week. This is my last sort of week of, of kind of Your last freedom, week of freedom. Like, before I start my new job uh, next week. So Can you talk I about can... your new job? Yeah, yeah, it's a company called iTrigger. They, they're sort of a data aggregation service using Ruby, Ruby on Rails. That's why I'm in there as a senior dev. Quite a young company, only about eight, eight or nine people in the company. Um, so, so they're a sort of a startup. Should be good. Looking forward to it. You're a, you're a better man than I, Gungadin. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not sure people could cope with me full time. Most people can't no. cope with me for an hour, so, you know. Well no. done. 
Well, I'm a nice guy, so they should be able to cope with me, hopefully. Right, so we're at 59 minutes and 15 seconds. What should we do for the last 45 seconds? I think it's only uh, time to say thank you to all of our previous sponsors, mm. such as Scrivener, mm. eBuyer, King of Shaves, Future Copyright, mm. Christian Payne, Tim Edwards, and any other people who I've forgotten, I'm desperately sorry, Purple Sign. Uh, thank you for dropping pennies in the pots for us. Thank you very much, Lee. Claire Evans, that's mm-hmm. another one. She's donated. Thank you, Claire. If you're listening. Right, time to go, I think. Um, 45, 15 seconds to go. We're just going to clip the one hour. So it's five, four, three, two, one. Not the face! Thanks for listening to Social Media White Noise, brought to you by Andy White, Acker Doctor Pod, and Nick Butler, Acker Loudmouth Man. Please visit www.socialmediawhitenoise.com where you can leave comments, listen to the show straight from the webpage, and subscribe for free. Email us at ulot at socialmediawhitenoise.com. Follow us on Twitter, Dr. Pod and Loudmouthman. We'd like to thank the coffee shops of Sussex, social media and technology, without whom this show would not be possible. See you soon. Peace. <laughs>